Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Are you trying to master the game of life without success? There are secrets and strategies to living your best life. We'll share some of them with you on today's show. Take advantage of this series to become an expert at relationships. All relationships. It's time to live the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Sandra Reich. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, a show about living your very best life. And this is a live show today, our first one of 2019. So happy new year, Straight Talk listeners. Um, I'm excited for 2019 and in terms of the show of bringing you as many cutting edge topics as I can think of on that note. Don't ever be shy to email us, text us. I'll give you all those ways of being in touch on topics that interest you. Many of our topics come from feedback from our listeners and um, the show, the goal of the show is really, again, to help you live your very best life. Uh, huge focus on psychology because that's the field I'm in. Uh, but we do delve into many other areas, food, nutrition, um, technology, all sorts of other things, anything that can help people really live their best life. So welcome to 2019. How was your holidays? I hope they were good. I hope you took a little time for yourself. And um, if you're still recovering from the holidays, it's not too late to take a little time for yourself. So um, today's show, um, the topic came from a conversation we were having on Straight Talk when I had my guest Georgia Dow on a few weeks ago, and we were talking about the addiction. We happened upon the topic, the addiction of rescuing other people. Sometimes it's our spouses. Sometimes it's a child who's having a hard time. Sometimes it's that coworker, and sometimes that's that down and out friend. And it sounds so good, right? Somebody's in trouble, and you're going to help them because you're doing better, and you want to be generous. And it sounds really nice. Um, And yet today's show is going to be about how dangerous and how unhealthy rescuing is. So if that got your attention, stay tuned. We're going to really delve into this. Uh, Before I start to uh, tackle this topic, I want to invite you. um, It's 2019. Maybe some of you will call in. You never know. Uh, 1-866-472-5792 is our number if you want to join the conversation. Um, usually or often people prefer to text. That's fine. 514-796-4357. Any questions, anytime. If email is more your thing, info at helpforanxietydepression.com. So my name is Sandra Reich, and I am the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression, as well as a licensed psychotherapist specializing in relationships, anxiety, depression, and the dynamics that go on. And I can't tell you how often I see the dance of the rescuer. Um, Why are we so drawn to that role of rescuing other people? I mean, think about it. Um, Many of our stories, whether it's movies, whether it's fairy tales, involve someone who needs to be rescued and someone coming along and rescue them. So again, I ask the question, why would that be a problem? If any of you have any thoughts, feel free to call into the show. Um, So I'm going to start with something that I've talked about before on Straight Talk. So you may have heard this before, and if you've been to any of my workshops, you certainly have. Um, but I think it bears uh, repeating, which is um, in psychology, we study that any triangles that go on are called, uh, any relationship that involves a triangle is dysfunctional. So what does that mean? It means it starts with the classic example. Uh, if you, 
your husband's having an affair. And so there's your husband, the mistress, and you. That's a triangle. I think that one's pretty clear. That's a problem. Um, How about the one that you and your child are keeping secrets from your husband? Or your husband and your child are keeping secrets from you. That's also a triangle. And you can see how these are problematic. Uh, What a lot of people don't know about is a psychological concept called the Cartman Drama Triangle, which is a triangle where we talk about a rescuer. And in the triangle, there's a rescuer. And where there's a rescuer, there's a victim. But there's a third uh, part of the triangle, which is called the perpetrator. So it's hard to explain this without a visual, but I'm going to try. And I've given this exact example before, but again, I don't think it's one that loses its charm over time. As a matter of fact, even myself, I repeated it almost every workshop I go to, and I never stop to be amazed by it. I have to tell you, it was a pivotal moment in my training to understand this. And I can promise you that as a caretaker, which those of you who follow the show know this terminology, that and I, I'm a recovering caretaker, meaning I've learned that taking care of others other than professionally is problematic. Uh, caretakers love to rescue. So I used to love to rescue people. Um, so let's go back to this triangle and let's imagine a scenario where somebody calls you up, a family member perhaps, and says, I'm in desperate trouble. Can you please save me? And perhaps they ask you for money and they were to say, well, I'm, you know, you you hear yourself saying, oh my God, you're in trouble. I want to help you. Um, how can I be of help? Well, I need $10,000. So let's imagine that as a rescuer, you want to help out the person and you, you really, you know, the person's asking just for a loan, not a gift. I mean, where's the harm in that? You're just helping someone else. So, so far we only have a rescuer and a victim, the victim being the one who's in trouble. And so you loan the $10,000 with the agreement that the person will pay you back within a month. So a month passes and you don't hear from the person. So you call them up and you say, hey, how's it going? I hope things are better. Listen, I need my 10000 back. And perhaps the victim says, um, oh, I'm really sorry. I still don't have the money to pay you back. Um, can you just give me a bit more time? I've really hit hard, dire straight. So, so far, everything's going fine. You're in your rescuer role. You're sitting comfortably, feeling pretty good about yourself. You've loaned someone $10,000 and saved them. Perhaps the victim is even saying things to you like, you saved my life. I so appreciate you. And another month passes and you don't get the money back. So you call up the victim and you say, listen, I'm really sorry to bother you, but I really need my $10,000 back. And all of a sudden, the victim turns around and says, I can't believe you. I thought you were a nice person. And it's quite clear all you care about is money. You're just awful. Like, I'm hanging up. And you're like, oh, my God, what just happened? So we went from being a rescuer to all of a sudden being the perpetrator of the victim because the victim's mad at us. And here's the really strange part about this is that actually now you're out $10,000. So you just went from being a rescuer to being a victim yourself. Now, this is better explained with a visual because you can see how everybody's rules get changed. You know, so the rescuer becomes the victim and, and or the perpetrator and everyone's moved on the triangle position. And the other thing about triangles is someone always gets thrown out of a triangle. When we come back to the married man in an affair, either he ends up with the mistress or the mistress goes, someone has to go. So um, this 
drama triangle, which was discovered by someone by the name of Stephen Cartman in the 70s, no less, really explains how rescuing will get you into a victimized role. And really quite often, um, it's a little bit cliched, but the truth of the matter is that people rescue themselves. So if we imagine again that somebody was in dire straits and instead of giving them the money, we help them write a CV or, you know, taught them a skill where they could earn the money. Um, you would know right away if you're being played or not, because the person would either say, oh, great, thank you for helping me write the CV. Or they'd be like, no, that's not what I need. I need the money. Um, helping someone to do something they don't know what to do, they don't know how to do, is a very um, noble and kind concept. So, no issue with that whatsoever. Um, helping someone with something that they can do and should do for themselves is called enabling. And we call it rescuing because it feels better. But the, I want the first part of this show to be about the concept that if we're enabling people, do they really have any motivation to get better? Uh, probably not, because as long as you're rescuing they get to stay in a victim role. Now, can this be translated to our kids? A hundred percent. Our kids are struggling with something. We don't like to see them in pain. We go into a rescuing role to fix everything for them. Perhaps we do the school project for them. Um, They do well. We feel good. They feel good. But is that a win? Um, I submit to you that it's not because they're not getting the learning. So if they did the project and did it badly and fall on their face, there would be some learning that would go on. So that's the first problem with the rescuing role is that it invites victimization and it invites you to end up in a victim role. But I want to take a little breath here and talk about also why on earth are we so drawn to rescue people? And what's the psychology of that? Well, here's what we know a little bit from research is that when we're rescuing someone else, we don't have to look at our own lives. Hmm. Let's take that in for a second. So as long as I'm rescuing you, I don't have to look at the problems in my life. I get to feel really good about myself, about the fact that I'm such a nice person. I rescue you. So Could we put a premise out there that rescuing could be a bit addictive? The research certainly supports that, uh, that people get very addicted to that feeling of, I'm just going to rescue someone and what a good person I am if I rescue someone. And then you keep having to do it. And one day you wake up and you just don't know who you are without rescuing people. And I know I've met some of the Straight Talk listeners. I've been fortunate enough to meet you guys at some of my conferences. And when I talk about the fact that you know you're falling into the addiction of rescuing when there's a lot of people calling you up with their problems. There's a lot of needy people around you and they're always coming to you for help. Um, You know you've fallen into this because it wouldn't happen unless you're in the rescuing position. And a non-rescuing position would still be a very kind position, but it would be more of a position that says, wow, that sounds really rough what you're going through. Let's talk about what you can do to get yourself out of that situation. Um, So this is one of the reasons I do the show is that for myself, as I learned this in psychology, it was a real wake-up call because it's certainly not what I knew growing up. It seemed to me that the correct answer would be to always help someone and fix their problem. And it took me many, many years to learn that 
both with clients as well as with friends and uh, colleagues that the best and most generous thing you can do is be a support that allows the other person to be able to work on their own issues. Um, Let me know if you're listening, if that makes sense. Text me at 514-796-4357. You can call into the show again at 1-866-472-5792. Or don't be shy. You can email us at info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Or you can just call and say hi and tell us about your holidays. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Somewhere around the second segment, I will have Georgia Dow Um, in the house. She is a top psychotherapist who really does a lot of work in the area of rescuing and the dangers that go along with that. So we look forward to speaking to her in the next segment. So uh, don't go far. We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, and I'm very excited, as I told you, um, in the second segment, I would have a top psychotherapist, a colleague, and dear, dear friend, Georgia Dow, and she has arrived. Happy New Year, Georgia. Happy New Year. So nice to have you back on Straight Talk. Yes. I was saying 2019, we're planning to bring lots of cutting-edge shows, and a few weeks ago, you were on the show, and you may or may not remember this moment, because you've done many shows with us, uh, but we hit upon a topic of how rescuing is so addictive, and so many people fall into it and how mm-hmm. it's one of the things I love about doing a show with you is you've really literally just arrived so you have no idea what I just said and Nothing. I know you're going to jump right in you're so good um, but at that time you were saying how we we agreed that we should do a show and how rescuing is so dangerous you're coming right from the office I'm sure like 
seeing many clients throughout the day. Yeah. Um, certainly, I've brought the point up that rescuing is addictive and yeah. dangerous, and I've given my viewpoints and some of the research on that. Georgia, first of all, welcome back to Straight Talk. Thank, Thank you so you. much for being Thank here. You. Please jump in and let us know your thoughts on why did you think doing a show on rescuing is like rescuing addiction was important? Well, it's very interesting because I think that people look at rescuing someone else as a good thing. Yeah, I think that's that we have, did you? yeah it sounds noble. It sounds, it sounds noble. Yeah, noble and great, and we should be proud of it. Yeah. And why should we stop? Yeah. And already today, I actually had someone that I had come in and I was talking to them about how this is not a healthy manner to be. Mm. And right away when you say it, people always give you that kind of like the side head. Yeah, Yeah, like the dog. Like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you even say that? Yeah, like we're not nice people anymore. Right. We stopped being nice when we learned this. Yeah. I said it when I first learned it, I thought, that's not nice. Yes. Right. Got it. Okay. And there's so many layers to it. Go. Right? So Go, girl. One is a lot of people that are super feelers. Super feelers are people that are very strong in their levels of empathy. They want to take care of others because it makes them feel good. Yes. And for, for rescuing and for caretaking in general... It makes you feel important. So oh, it's very, yeah. It feeds a lot of the ego. It's similar because we talk about that and we talk about victimization yeah, and yeah. all of these secondary gains. Yes. Well, what, can you explain what are secondary gains in the first place before I, I go first into First of all, that? I'm smiling ear to ear. Are I mean, I'm, I'm so, I, like, I love our conversations on the radio because um, we don't see each other. I, we didn't prepare for the show and no. you're like right in tune with what we were talking about. Um, I love that because at least, you know, we're not sending different messages. I've been a bit awkward if you showed up at the radio and we were saying two different things. Rescuing is great. Right, right. That'd be weird. Um, so that's the humor in it. But secondary gains, great question, Georgia. Thank you for bringing it up. So that's a very big point. Perhaps another show in itself too is secondary gains. Mm-hmm. It's the number one question that I think we all need to ask is what, when we do something mm-hmm. good or bad yes what are the secondary gains to it so let's say for example people will say there's no secondary gains to being a victim and that's what oh, you're bringing okay. up like why would anyone ever want to be in a victimized position but think about it for a second there are huge secondary gains mm-hmm. you brought up the fact attention yeah not taking responsibility for your life rescuing you brought up and I brought up before the break, the idea that rescuers don't have to look at their life. They're too busy rescuing someone else's life. Yes. So it's a huge secondary game, but we don't acknowledge those. We just go, no, I'm just doing it out of the goodness of my heart. Yes. Um, even people who are moody yes. or not acting nice around the house, there's secondary gains to that too. There's a lot of secondary gains right. to being moody. Right. Right. That's, right. Another, that's another topic in itself. Right. Really. Well, what would be yes. a secondary gain to being moody? To being well, moody. Well, you get attention right. from other people. You affect the household. You affect the household. You get a little bit of control. Yeah. It makes it about yeah. you. People often try to stop that or change it. They might do things more around you or they might avoid you and you want to be avoided to that. Right. But it it, it feeds it. Right. So which makes you want to keep being moody. Right. And it's it's... Unfortunately, slightly manipulative. Let's more, just say than, it. more than slightly, I would be say. Very manipulative. So, yes. if we're on the topic of secondary gains and we're on the topic of rescuing, mm-hmm. so I guess you're getting at the fact that there are secondary gains to rescuing. Yes. Okay. Yes, that you may not know because okay. most people will say, "Well, they needed me. I had to. I could help them." But underlying that is. People do it because for themselves, it felt good. Yeah. You know, it felt good for you to do it. And in and of itself, that's fine. But then the other pieces to that might be that you would have felt guilty if you didn't. A lot of people hero rescue 
really so that they don't have to deal oh. with the guilt oh. of someone that's going to go through things and maybe flounder, maybe make mistakes. And they're doing it for their own reasons of guilt. Not for the other person. And not for the other person. Okay, I think, and, I think we have to really talk about yes. that. Okay, because that's, I keep thinking now of parents as you're saying that. Yes. Okay, so... So, and we tell ourselves a story that we're doing it for the other person, for yes. our child, but we're not. No. The the dirty truth is we're doing it to calm our anxiety. Please mm-hmm. talk about that, Georgia. Yes. That's a well, big issue for you, people. I think that everyone needs to check in with themselves whenever they're doing something for someone else. Who are you really doing it for? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, we're we very effective at lying to ourselves. And so what you want to do is you'll first say, because they need me, I have to. This is important. But then say, do I really have to? Or am I worried about my own guilt? Or is it my own wound that my parents didn't do it for me, so now I'm overdoing it for my child? Right. And that guilt is very powerful. We can feel bad when we watch someone else struggle. I think that... But what are we supposed to do, Georgia? Like, of course we're going to feel guilty if we see someone we love struggling. Let me speak for every other person listening to the show right now. You see a loved one floundering. Mm -hmm. You have the tools to rescue them. Yes. How could you not feel guilty? Yes. Here we go. Which is a very good point. But there is a difference between... how, How else do you learn without struggle? And there are lessons that you want everyone to learn that they need to learn on their own. Do we learn more from someone else doing it for us or us struggling and doing it ourselves? Which way do you learn more? Right. Great question. I mean, the answer is for sure doing it for yourself. But if the caterpillar butterfly analogy comes up here, if we take help a caterpillar get out of their cocoon, they die. Yes. If they do it themselves, they become a beautiful butterfly. Because they have the strength to be able to actually open up their wings when they're moist. It's a very important kind of Right. It's very true. Great metaphor. Yes. And I should say that we are both in the field of behavioral psychology and behavioral psychology studies learning. Mm -hmm. And your question is such a great question because learning only happens as you hit walls. Yes. As struggle happens. So it's I love the way you frame that. It's really not that loving when you look at it that way. It isn't because you're taking away a tool that someone else needs to learn. Right. That doesn't mean that you shut them out and close the door to them and you are not there to support. I am not saying that. It's not throwing a child into a pool and seeing are they going to sink or are they going to swim. That's a different story. That's when would be good to help and rescue is when someone's at a sink or swim kind of place where they do not have the tools to be able to deal with that. So we don't want to go. The pendulum should not swing all the way to the opposite end either to that. You're there to support, but it's a teaching skill. You want to give someone the tools and then say, let them learn from that. And it is, is it easy? It is not easy because you may not yet know how easy or hard it's there. They need to be propped up. You can prop someone back up to it, but it is not you learning the lesson for someone else because then that part of their brain does not grow. How does someone learn to be responsible if they're irresponsible? But you're like, oh, but they'll never learn. They'll never learn. It's one, it's hurtful because you're saying that I need to be the hero to that because they are the victim of it. And it's not a thoughtful way to be able to do it. So you're not even giving them a gift. You're actually taking something from them often by rescuing them. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you really explained that really beautifully, I have to say. So thank you for that. I think that it comes back to the idea of enabling versus helping. Ooh. And again, I said this before you got here, but it there's nothing wrong with helping someone if the person doesn't know, cannot do the, the thing in question. Mm-hmm. So then you can possibly get them on the road to teach them how. Yes. So the example I gave is if someone can't like, is, needs money, you can help them write a CV. But you see that, the, the I love that you said that because we all build on each other all the time. Yeah. But that enabling is goes back to the secondary gain of then they'll need me. Right. So a lot of times right. we might be doing it because we want them to need us. Right. Because we don't want them to be independent for themselves. That's, that's, and again, this would be unconscious. This would not be something right, we're but, overtly doing. But the whole point of this show and a lot of the work we do is to bring it to your consciousness. So again, it is helpful if you're teaching someone how to do something they don't know how to do but the definition of enabling is doing something for someone that someone can and should do themselves and I Mm -hmm. want that clear so and what you're saying is that another secondary gain is then they will need me and make me feel good and and important important. like this world can't survive without me but it might be really because you can't survive without them Them. it's your own maybe abandonment that is creating this need to make them needy to you don't you think that is a sidebar, you know, and it's not our show topic, but I can't help but go there. Don't you think that this is a great danger even for psychologists and psychotherapists to fall into? Oh, yes. Yeah, because it like is, there's people saying issue. all the time, like, oh, I can't live without you. You help me so mm-hmm. much. And I think that therapists can be easily seduced by that feeling and end up in a savior position. And in my personal opinion, I suspect you agree with me, okay. you're no longer working with a good therapist if they feel that. You're, you're no longer doing your job. You're no longer right. helping them because right. your job as a therapist is to have them become independent and, and not need you. And not need you so they have the tools to right. it. But it's a hard thing because you might be feeding off of that. Again, why do we go into this, this field, field? The wounded you, healer. You know, you want to be able to save people, help people. Deal. Like we, even the words that we use yeah. to it yeah. are very hero-ish to that. And yeah. sometimes you can go too far to it or even sometimes even being too close to someone. We've seen it the happen. The enmeshment We've seen is a similar situation to that for therapists, for parents, even for couples. We've seen it happen. We've seen therapists get into trouble, certainly doctors, social workers, mm-hmm. anyone in the heal, nurses, yeah. speak to nurses. Nurses often end up in this role. You brought up the word enmeshment. We're going to take a short break, but I certainly want to come back to enmeshment. We did a show recently on enmeshment, but where enmeshment fits in on this. So if you've listened to previous shows, think about on the break, what is enmeshment? We'll quiz you on the uh, flip side of the break. If you haven't listened to previous shows, don't worry. We'll talk about how enmeshment plays a role here with your therapist, with your family, and how this can get you into a lot of trouble and the ways out of rescuing addiction. We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. 
That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. (laughs) We are back on Straight Talk. Always a pleasure to have Georgia Dow with me explaining and helping me discuss the important topic of rescuing and rescuing addiction, how to get out, how what will happen if you do get out. But before we left on the break, we talked about enmeshment. And uh, Georgia, first of all, a short definition on enmeshment and what's the relevance here? Why are we talking about enmeshment? Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of these things where sometimes you become so close to someone that it's almost like you're not dealing with two people. Right. You're dealing with one person where... You complete me. Yes. 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 Right? We're one. Yes. Isn't yes. that beautiful? Which Isn't it, that romantic? It sounds it, doesn't it? Yeah. It? It, sounds it sounds beautiful, it. Yes. but it's it's the mom and daughter that they always go together and the mom's always there to fill in the, the form for them and they're going to every uh, accounting thing and every homework and they're looking over everything... But what happens with that is the other person does not grow. You're you're not growing fully because you don't feel complete with another person and you really want to be able to learn to complete yourself. Yes. So you're stunting growth of maybe two people, but usually it's one, one person that feels like they're going to make sure the other person is never going to fail, is never going to have hardship, is never going to feel pain. And it sounds loving. It comes from a loving place. But it's a stunting place. And I deal with a lot with this with with parents and children where there's usually a very strong parent that is very good and does know better. And it's true that they'll say, but I know better. And I'll be like, it's true. But how will they learn to know better? Right. So I guess that brings up the point of, you know, how to get out of this. So you brought up parents. Let's talk about that first. You know, you and I both often are dealing with situations like this with mm-hmm. parents and the parent says, I know better. And, mm-hmm. you know, they want and to help their true. They might. Yeah. They, they might be completely accurate. But how about, you know, if the parent comes in and says, I feel anxious, though, if I don't intervene, I'm going to be like, you know, sitting on pins and needles, really nervous to watch my child child fall down what are the strategies you recommend in that situation so really what you want to do is you want to deal with your own anxiety because that's another one of the gains is like that you won't feel anxious you won't feel nervous right because you have control right but an illusion of control illusion very very nicely (laughs) very nice but it's true you want to have trust and the child learn that you trust them right 
And they won't do that if every time they make their bed, you go there and remake their bed. I remember actually hearing a story of um, lovely, lovely people, but their daughter was was learning to be independent. And I think that they were in like maybe grade seven or grade six and they had uh, taken, you know, when you used to get books and you'd have to cover it with plastic and put it in and they did their best job. It wasn't perfectly plasticized book where everything was done and the parent actually had peeled off the entire thing and redone it out of love. But they were devastated that and the way that what happened to their second self-esteem when we talk about the effect on the other person is that what they took that from is, wow, I'm so incompetent and looked at as so incompetent, I can't even cover a book. And the parent did not mean this this way. Of course not. But it's that I, I wasn't even believed enough in and where for children, where their self-esteem comes in is that we like that from at first it comes from their parents, the, the view from the outside into that before it becomes inside into that. And so it's really important what that relationship is. And so giving someone enough of a chance to be able to try something, even if they'll fail, but say to them, I know that it, it might not work out and that's okay, but I trust that you'll figure it out mm. and I'm here. So if you're dealing with that anxiety of letting your child do something that they may not have been, you didn't go over their tests with them 100% and they did their own homework to that and you're feeling nervous because maybe they might get a bad mark, that you want to say you want to do a a self-check of breathing and know that this is not the end of the world. This is not that drowned situation to that. Do your breathing do your journaling and allow them the respect and the responsibility to be able to, one, make a mistake and learn from that. Now, instead of learning from it when you're 30 or 40 years old, which is what happens, because that's a very, if you are in an enmeshed situation, it is a very painful thing for when they do go out on their own. And I have a lot of people that then they don't go out on their own because they cannot be alone because they feel they haven't learned those skills, those horrible skills of you know, forgetting your homework and no one comes in and rescues you and fixes it. And so it becomes a very damaging thing. And there's a lot of anxiety that is then because one day they do grow up and they might want to leave, but then they can't be alone in the house. Mm. They have to have the, their parents there or something else. It's, again, out of love. It looks very loving on the outside, but you also want to do that. Why do you feel the need to have to overdo it? Mm. Thoughts? I think it's uh, you know it's you you were very succinct very clear and I think that uh, I think that so far we've got the pitch as to why not to do it Um, it's not going to help your child it's not going to help your spouse it's not going to help your friend it's not going to help your colleague it's not going to help your patient so even as therapists we give strategies but Mm -hmm. we give and I think a good therapist gives homework yeah and an expectation that the patient does the homework mm-hmm. um, I myself will often say to a patient um, that I don't feel I'm earning my keep if they're not doing their work because if they're not doing their work and I'm taking their money it feels like stealing to me because it's not going to get better and we're not magicians we're therapists and so we can teach you how to fish but you still have to put the pole in the water and get the fish out of the water yeah. and so I think it's Something we all have to look at is it is a romantic sort of concept to be rescued in life. It yes. seems really nice. Yes. I, all of the fairy tales. All of them. 
right? It's a and, lot about romantic and, relationships, about being rescued Absolutely. Too. And yeah. you, you talked about growth. And I was thinking what people would be thinking listening is like, sometimes people feel like, oh, I don't want to grow anymore. I just want it to be comfortable. Like, why not have my husband rescue me? Why not have my parent rescue me? Wouldn't that be nice? Like, I don't want any growing pains. But I think your point was valid. I think that even if instinctively at a moment, I might want somebody to just take all the pain away and rescue me. I don't think I'll, I think that's a band-aid solution. It just doesn't work long term. And it's, that's where the addiction starts a little bit for the victim as well as the rescuer is then you need more and more of the substance. The growth, on the other hand, you have pain, but you acclimatize and then you get better at things. Yes. And you become stronger. Stronger. And even if it is that something bad is going to happen, to learn that that won't break you is also really important. That's called resilience. Last I checked. What is is resilience? It's the ability to deal with plain old life, good times and bad times, sunny days and cloudy days. And, you know, I've said it many, many times, people listening, a lot of them have heard me speak, is that the greatest gift you can give your child is non-happiness. It's resilience. Yes. Because there will be cloudy days. So if your kids, if my kids could know what to do with a difficult situation, I've done my job. Nice. Okay, so my question now is that, okay, so we're clear it's not good. And you talked about breathing and letting somebody work through it. Um, If you have the habit of rescuing people, Mm -hmm. and that's who you know yourself to be. Yes. That's what you've done. And needy people call you all the time with their problems. How do you break the habit? It's a hard habit to break. Like anything that's in the caretaking realm, it's a really hard habit to break because there's a cost to that. Yes. People might get even upset with you. Yes. And your self-esteem is probably fed from Who am I if I'm not a rescuer? Who am I? Yes. So what what do I do? What if people no longer like me? Yeah. It changes the entire ecosystem. Oh, yeah. That's well said. And so we we begin by establishing where do you do this Mm -hmm. and some boundaries and consequences towards that. And we just start by it's, it's really building a fence of protection around you from you, from others and others to you. And you slowly start from wherever you're at and then move the fence closer and closer to where you need to be. How? So... What you would do, say that let's let's use a, different scenarios would have different situations to that. Let's use the parent-child one to that. And maybe it is that you, you know, do your child's homework, you bring them their shoes all the time, you bring them, you know, everything that they need, you're doing the texting for your child so they don't have to worry, you're, you're, you're pretty much doing all of those things. You start with one, just one thing. Because it is really painful. It's almost like ripping a Band-Aid off. Mm. It's hard. Mm-hmm. So you just start with one thing and you prepare your child. So what you're going to do is instead of say, say that your child always asks, you know, what should I wear? What should I need to do? You know, again, a fear of failure from your child and your maybe your fear of failure also. So you don't want them to fail because you felt how painful it was for you to fail. So what you would do is you would just say, instead of answering for them, instead of solving the problem for them, you would throw it back to them of, what do you think would be a good thing to wear? What do you think would be a good way to answer this? Or if they don't know the answer, how do you think we could figure it out? That's a nice thing with one thing. And we try to do, I usually say, do 15 minutes of homework every day. But that's just 15 minutes that you're going to try to work on one area, so maybe you know it's always homework or you know it's always them getting dressed or answering their boyfriend or it could be a 100,000 things of supportive teaching 
instead of doing. And it's not that easy because they're not going to want, like if we've now gotten to this situation of hero and victim, because again, remember, if you're the hero, what happens to them? They are then the victim, right? Which no one wants for someone else, but that can become very comfortable for their own. Absolutely. Right. It's the other end of this piece to it. So we've made two areas that are not healthy to that. Right. And I also said at the beginning, the hero can often become the perpetrator. Because when you stop rescuing, you're bad. And when it doesn't work out, they yeah. don't have to blame themselves. The they blame get to blame. You. There's, right. a, there's only loss, really, right. in this. There's yeah. not much gain for it. It sounds right. great, but there's not much gain for that. Not at all. So one thing of just supportive teaching. So, you know, what do you think you should wear? And they're like, I don't know, I don't know. And you say, well, let's, you know, what do you think out of these ones? And then for little ones or for like teens, I usually say pick something really bad that they wouldn't choose so that they learn that, you know what, maybe your decisions aren't that great. Yeah, right. You know, tie the shoes really poorly. So they're like, you know what, I'm just going to do this myself. Right. It's a win. Right. You take a little ego hit. Yeah. Because you're not like this superhero anymore. It's a hard thing. Parents love the superhero thing. I think we all love the superhero thing. And I think that it's a very magical and empowering and healthy words to say to someone as I said earlier that sounds rough but I'm sure you'll figure it out yeah you know what did you do last time this happened yeah how did you handle it right and and to be there so it's not cold it's you're there it's saying I believe in you I believe you have the capacity to to handle this whether it's a kid or a friend Mm -hmm. and so people always ask me well does that mean you can't give any advice I I give advice I do give advice advice if a friend is in trouble but if I see like again if you're surrounded by needy people and they keep calling you for advice that's not really asking for advice that's asking for a rescue and at a certain point you may notice that you're giving advice and they don't listen to you anyway and now you're angry at them right cause damage that's a sign that they're not listening to you that they're not really looking for advice they're looking for something else usually attention Uh, no doubt about it because if someone really wanted advice I mean if I called you up Georgia Dow and said you know, I'm having this problem going on in my life. What should I do? And right. you gave me advice. I do it. Yeah, you're rare, though. Let's be honest, Sandra. You have some rare traits of actually real, like, want for... See, okay, stop. It's true. Uh, it's, that's very nice of you. But I think the bottom line is that I'm sure I could fall into a victim. But when I really... Uh, um, and I think we all do at times, yeah. but when I really, I'm more the type, I guess I hate suffering. So if there's pain, I want the solution. Yeah. Um, so if... If I ask for advice, it's because I want to try it. Right. I think that uh, people, I, I, I think that you may be right that a lot of people ask for advice don't really want it. But I think that's the litmus test. You have to ask yourself, if you're asking for advice, do you want to take the advice? Because that's the problem. And that's the problem with clients, too. If mm-hmm. The advice is not always going to be what you want to hear. Yeah. We've said before, good therapy is not a warm bath. No. Switch therapists if it's a warm bath. Okay, so definitely you want to, you're still allowed to give advice, but then you take a step back, right? You detach. Exactly. Exactly. And what does detachment mean? Detachment means you're there, you're observing, but you're allowing them to make their own choices, even if it's against the choices you want. That's a very good point because that's another way we have to take a break, but that's another way we want to see if you're in rescuing is if you're saying you must call this therapist, you must do this. And you're so invested that if they don't do it, you're irate, you're in the addiction. We'll talk about that. We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. Okay, so I think we left off on an important point, Georgia, so I want to go right back to it, which is that if you're giving advice to someone, we said that could be okay, but if it's starting to be that you're invested on in the person doing what you say, yeah. you're in trouble, um, and you're no longer operating from kindness, are you? No, now it's becoming controlling. Control, right, so the detachment would be, here's my, this is my best advice, yeah. but you're free to do whatever you like, I'm and, good with that. And you can see when someone doesn't take that advice, if you are overly anxious about what decision they make to that, that might be another one of those signs that you need to pull back from it. Sometimes you need to say, you know what, I remember my my son was making a project and it was a really cute project with these little people in the house and we designed all the people and it was great. Everything was going really nicely. And then all of these little people that we had designed, he stuck inside the house. You couldn't actually see them in the project, which bothered me it bothered me way more than it should and I knew that this was like I'm, I'm like really we should like we spent this much time on the people we should show, we the, show people. the people they're in the house yeah. which you know and he was little he's like no they're inside the house they're having fun in the house but I'm like but you're getting marked on the poster board right. you can't see the people what's the, what's, uh, the what's the point right and you could say yeah Georgia you have a logical reason for that but I was too emotionally invested I was like really like kind of upset and flustered Triggered. and I remember my son going Mom, it, it really doesn't matter. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. And I had to take a step away. So even, you know, little tiny things, sometimes you care too more than you should about it, where the grand scheme of things, did it matter? No. But you need sometimes that wake-up call because even with the best of intentions, you might fall into this. It might not be something that you do all the time, but sometimes you do and you feel upset or angry or frustrated when someone else doesn't do what you want them to do to that. And it's 
you have to say that it's everyone else's journey. And sometimes their journey is to hit their head against the wall a few times before they learn to duck. And that's okay, too, because that's their journey. Mm. And you don't want them not to learn these lessons. You want to learn the lessons and hopefully as early as possible so that they learn to duck next time. Yeah, my father used to say, let the chips fall as they may. Yes. And it's such a good expression. Um, Yeah, I think that the concept of detachment altogether is a very soothing concept because as someone I said on earlier on the show, I'm a recovering caretaker. I, you know, I used to always do stuff like this. And I have to say my life is so much calmer now that I don't invest Mm -hmm. in people taking my advice. You know, I'm talking now, you know, not professionally, I'm talking about uh, but even professionally, but even I'm talking about more yeah. personally, that if I see someone in trouble and they ask me some advice, someone I care about, I give them the advice with this concept of if they take it, they take it. If they don't, they don't. Yes. And the thing is, the payoff is really huge for me because I used to be quite stressed, worrying, are they going to listen to me? Yes. I remember years ago, someone coming to me about a situation in their marriage and I was like, you know, you need to go see a therapist. I have no money. I'll pay for the first session. I mean, this is like classically, of yeah. course, they, they, they took the session and didn't show up and paid for nothing. It, you know, it always turns out bad. That yeah. cannot turn out good. Yeah. And now this sense of detachment that let the chips fall where they may. Yes. You give your best advice, you let go, and you hope the person learns to swim. Yeah. But if they don't, that's their journey, not yours. Yes. And and that, that other thought to it is, what if you're wrong? And, Maybe and you're we actually are wrong, often wrong. Right? Like the, we talk about this as the hero, so they must always be right to it. No. But you right. might actually be wrong, and maybe their way that is not your way right. might be the right way for them. I've seen that happen, haven't you? Yes. Well, <laughs> it's funny because as a therapist, I'm often like shocked. I'm like, oh, I was wrong. I'm like, oh. But it's actually quite it's funny. You thing. and I are similar like that. Like, we get a little kick out of being wrong. It's yes. weird, eh? But it's, you learn from that. You're like, oh, there's something else out there that I can a different way of doing it. Grow to that. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of interesting, but it's funny that. You know, it is still a little, it's always a little bit like, huh, okay, like yeah. what what happened there that I want to now dissect to see, you know, where was the growth for me to learn? Right. Well, I think you're bringing up a good point because I think what we're, what I get from that is that the rightness in the situation is whatever works for the person. Yes. So even clients tell me they're on a certain diet or they're doing this or doing yeah. that and it doesn't feel like it doesn't sit with what I yeah. believe. But if it's, I always say, if it's working for you... I wash right. my hands. Even right. as a therapist, if someone's doing something that's a behavior, I mean, I will tell them this possibly yeah. could yeah. cut your hands off. But if it's working for you, because that's the question, also ask them, how is it working for you? If they say it's working for me, I'm like, great. Okay, I'm not sure what you're doing here. But, but if it's working for you, I'm good with it. Because otherwise, we're also passing judgment yes. on how you should live your life, yes. which would be wrong. Yes. Right. It, yes. <laughs> it's also this interesting thing of, you know, then I'm usually curious to be like, huh, well, t- talk to me about this because maybe I'm doing, maybe we need to yeah. learn a new tool right. because if it works well for someone else, say, you know, they're doing a bad behavior, but they found this that really is soothing to them from that bad behavior. I'm like, well, maybe this could help someone else Okay. or me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Be curious about it. So, you know, getting out of this rescuing, we've talked about detachment. We've talked about the self, a little bit of self-soothing yes. to calm yourself down. Um, we did talk about the fact that perhaps people listening 
again, they may find out that they don't know who they are if they're not a rescuer. So you said to start small. Okay, fair enough. But you start rescuing people and you're like, there's an emptiness to me. I don't know who I am because usually I'm that person at a dinner party who has a solution for your problem. Now I don't know what to talk about. What do you say to that, Georgia Dow? That you want to become the loving support, the, you know, the person that shines light of everyone else's maybe, um, accomplishments to that but to be that supportive figure is very similar feeling to that and to allow other people to shine that real true leadership of allowing someone else to have that space that you can then talk to them about their failures their fears that that it is not that far off to be able to go from you know helping supporting caring to move from enabling enmeshment um, encroachment and hero rescuing it's similar it's Similar, but different to that. So you want to learn and to feel good in allowing other people the space to grow. So it's like taking a plant and instead of having it when it's all like stuck inside a small little area to take it out of that little pot and allow it that space to grow and be proud of watching that growth that they can go through, even if it's not the growth that you would want for them. And you need to really think about it when you feel that pain because they didn't call you for help. They called someone else. You will feel that pain. Allow yourself to feel that pain. But then also allow that, you know, how good for them that they have another resource. It is painful, though. It's a hard thing when I have my kids and they no longer need me to do something, right? Like they didn't call me to read them their bedtime story or to, to do this. Like that was difficult for me. I'm like, wow, they're getting older and I have to always go back to they're growing. It's not a loss to me. It's a growth for them. But it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I guess I just want to say one more thought on that is that while you were talking about that, I was thinking that also the the, the rescuing itself is often, as we said, a way of controlling. Mm-hmm. So we got to look at how to get ourselves out of, because sometimes we're rescuing so we can get what we want from the person. So if we're not getting what we want from the person, there's detachment, but there's also boundaries and consequences. And we've done previous shows on that. So instead of DVD on that. Oh, Right good point so maybe this is a good time to mention us what dvd and how can people find out about it Georgia? it's called boundaries and consequences um it goes also with conflict resolution and it's uh, anxiety-videos.com or master-life.com okay so there's a dvd on boundaries and consequences there's a dvd on conflict resolution, conflict resolution. so that you can resolve it not fix it for them Right. Oh, that's a really good point. Thank you for bringing that up. And on that note, how can people find you and your brilliance, Georgia Dow? Well, you can call up 514-777-4530 if you're looking, if you're in the Montreal area or looking for a therapist or, you know, want to have some ideas of how to find a good therapist, they can call that number. And Georgia, we have a meeting planned in about a couple of weeks, but we're planning to do a night at um, locally on anxiety. So we'll definitely be presenting that information yeah we are on straight talk she's saying are we we did talk about it (laughs) anyways we're out of time so i'll have to talk to her about that off the air but i want to thank you so much georgia for coming and joining me on this important topic yeah you're adorable um you can find georgia uh, also on help for anxiety depression.com or anxiety-videos.com thank you so much for joining us on this first show of 2019 thank you for having me love it i'd love I'd like to also thank our listeners from all over the world, and we really appreciate you listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reach, and I'd like to invite you all to come back next week. Um, if you want information about this or any of the things we do, go to helpforanxietydepression.com. You can listen to previous shows anytime on straighttalksandareach.com, on the podcast app of your iPhone and on iTunes. 
under um, Straight Talk with Sandra Reese. You can drop me a comment or question at info at helpforanxietydepression.com. My name is Sandra Reese, and I promise I'll help you learn to live your best life again next Thursday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, this is Straight Talk with Sandra Reese. Keep your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and we'll tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life.